today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. Open our hearts, change us from within by the open word. Give us ears to hear your truth and eyes to see the needs around us as we draw. And then God begins to shake things up. And sometimes that, that's uh, uh, almost to the point of, whoa, overwhelming. Sometimes it gets us out of our comfort zone. Sometimes it causes us to step into areas and in ways that we normally would not have. And sometimes we, like Moses, that we're going to look at it here in a moment, we kind of hesitate for that because, God, I'm, I'm really comfortable where I'm at right now. I mean, my... My job's going good. My family's going good. Everything is going good. Can't I just kind of be comfortable for a while? But you know what? God has never called us to be comfortable. He's called us to be obedient. Have you ever been settled into a comfortable routine with your life and then God steps in and shakes things up? Well, that's exactly what happened to Moses. God came to Moses and asked him to lead God's people out of Egypt. Do you argue with God just like Moses did? Well, in Pastor David's message today, he will encourage you that God has not called us to comfort, but obedience. If you're striving to follow God's will for your life, don't expect to lead a comfortable life. Instead, willingly obey his leading. Now here's Pastor David in the book of Exodus chapter 1 with today's edition of The Open Word. We are in the book of Exodus, turn there, the book of Exodus, what a, what a great chapter. I actually, the, this is actually the, the, the book that is the birthing of the nation of Israel. Now, God had a plan, God had a purpose, but here in the book of Exodus is when we're going to see Israel actually birthed as a nation, freed from the bondage of Egypt, and we'll get into that as we get into, again, the, the, the book study tonight. But one of the first things we find out is, as we finished up the, the book of Genesis, Joseph had been there, he had risen to uh, authority, Jacob's son Joseph, Israel's son Joseph, and again, the, the, the whole family had come from the land of Canaan down to Egypt because of the famine that was going on up in the area of Canaan. And as long as Joseph and the brothers were there, everything was wonderful. As long as the Pharaoh was there that Joseph knew, it was wonderful. As long as memories of people, of all that Joseph had done was there, everything was wonderful. But what we find out in the opening verses of the book of Exodus is there in chapter 1, verse 8, there rose up a new king or a new Pharaoh over Egypt who did not know Joseph. And apparently he wasn't a student of history either. So it came to a point where the nation, the, the, the people of Israel, who initially had come down as about 70 people, were now growing as a mighty nation. Some estimates suppose that it could have easily been 
uh, 2.5 million people that were there that, again, the, the men, the women, and the children. And if you are a nation's leader, and suddenly the, the ones from another nation that are in your country that are eating your food and, and, and taking up space and the resources of your country, you start getting a little nervous. And that's exactly what happened with Pharaoh. One of the things we look at in this is the dating of the time of the Exodus. There's a lot of question on that. There is uh, a great uh, DVD that is actually, we may have a couple of copies left over still in the bookstore called The Exodus Experience, or I do believe you can also get it on Netflix, The Exodus Experience. And it is a very powerful uh, show. Uh, Del Tackett is, uh, uh, is one of the producers of it, speaks about, again, the whole Exodus experience and historically where it comes from. Around 1,450 years before Christ is when most understand what it is. And they, we take that actually from the book of 1 Kings chapter 6, verse 1, where it says that it was in the 480th year after the Exodus that Solomon began building the temple. And then they have better dating for when Solomon built the temple, so they simply backtrack to that. So around 1450 B.C. One of the things, too, that we notice is as everything is growing and building there in Egypt, uh, the Pharaoh gets very nervous about these young children that are being born, particularly the young boys. And if you've read recently, again, the, the book of Exodus, and I encourage you to read ahead because we're not going to be able to cover every verse of every chapter of every book that we're going to go through. We'll never make the 48 weeks. But what Pharaoh had done is he sent again a, a command and an order, a decree out that every male child, as the midwives saw these children being born, that they were to go ahead and kill those young male children. Well, we find out that there is a young one that is left, that again hides away or is hidden from Pharaoh's uh, uh, execution of these young ones. Uh, reading there in chapter 2 about uh, the birth of Moses. We find out that uh, as Moses is born, his mother takes and hides him away in a little basket, sitting in the river, sends him out to float. And, and it's interesting. Um, my version says, in the New King James Version, it says that, again, she put the child in a, an ark among the reeds find that absolutely amazing that, again, God uses that whole idea, that concept of the ark, hiding away, covering, taking care of Moses. Again, the one that that he would use to lead the nation out. So Pharaoh's daughter finds the child there in the river Nile, takes him to be her own, gets Moses' own mother to go ahead and nurse him and care for him. And then by the time we get to chapter 10, we see that the child grew. Pharaoh's daughter brought him, or no, uh, his mother, who had been nursing him for these years, brought him to Pharaoh's daughter. He became Pharaoh's uh, daughter's son, and she called him Moses, saying, because I drew him out of the water. Well, we move on, kind of fast forward at this point in time, 
and we find out that at about 40 years of age now, Moses looks out among the children of Israel who actually at this point in time have become slaves. Pharaoh no longer treating them good. There's been a succession of different Pharaohs during the time. They moved from having favored status as just a, a family to now they have used them as slaves. Moses comes out from Pharaoh's household, being raised in Pharaoh's household, to come out and see the children of Israel under this harsh slavery, being beaten, being mistreated on a continual basis. And suddenly he realizes what his real calling is and really what God is moving on his heart. It came to pass in those days in verse 11 of chapter 2 that when Moses was grown, he went out to his brethren and looked at their burdens. He saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his brethren. And so he looked this way and that way. And when he saw, and I love how the Bible does that. You know, you can, you can see the whole thing. You know, he, he sees this thing going on. So he's looking down that way. He's looking down that way. He didn't see anybody. And so it says, then, so then he went and killed the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. I have a footnote on mine that says, but they left his big toe sticking out of the sand. They found out that he was dead and that he was there. Verse 13, when he went out the second day, behold, two Hebrew men were fighting. And he said to one who, uh, who did the wrong, he says, why are you striking your companion? And then the Hebrew man says, who made you a prince and a judge over us? Do you intend to kill me as you killed the Egyptian? Wait a minute, he didn't see anybody. How did this take place? Like I said, I think he left his toe out of the sand. Moses feared and said, surely this thing is known. When Pharaoh heard of this matter then, he sought to kill Moses. But Moses fled from the face of Pharaoh and dwelt in the land of Midian. And he sat down by a well. Midian was land. It's actually you, you cross the whole Sinai Peninsula and you go all the way over to the area of what is now Saudi Arabia. And that's where Midia is. And so he, he went quite a ways to get away from Pharaoh because at that point in time, that whole uh, uh, peninsula, the Sinai Peninsula, was actually under Egyptian care. He had to get completely away. And so he traveled quite a way to get to where he was. When he got there, there was well he sat down. Turns out that the priest of Midian had seven daughters. They would come out, they would water their cattle. Moses saw that there was an issue going on. Moses took care of the issue of these raiders that would come or they would push away uh, the chief of, or uh, the priest of Midian's daughters, keep them from watering their livestock. Suddenly they realized, hey, this, this is a good guy. This is, a, this is a good man. They spoke to him and they, they wanted to know how, how is it that you've come uh, to, to be here today. And they said to him that, uh, again, in verse 19, as after they came, they, they drove the shepherds, the daughters came back sooner than normal after they watered the flock. How did you get here so quick today? They said, well, there was an Egyptian that delivered us from the hand of those other shepherds. And he also drew enough water for us and watered the flock. And so the priest of Midian said to his daughters, and where is he? Why is it that you have left the man? And so soon he brings him in. He gets to know the family. In the long run of things, the priest of Midian gave Zipporah, one of his daughters, to be Moses' wife. And so now Moses there in the area of Midian, he now has a wife. She gives him a son, and he is fine living in the area of Midian. You need to realize that, again, he, he left Egypt at age 40. 
He's now living in the land of Midian, and he's got 40 years there that he's just serving as a shepherd, serving with his father-in-law, Jethro. Again, taking it easy, has his wife, has his family. Everything is going wonderful until God steps in. Isn't that the reality in our life? Sometimes we can get so comfortable in life. We get into our routines, and then God begins to shake things up. And sometimes that's, that's uh, uh, almost to the point of, whoa, overwhelming. Sometimes it gets us out of our comfort zone. Sometimes it causes us to step into areas and in ways that we normally would not have. And sometimes we, like Moses, that we're going to look at it here in a moment, we kind of hesitate for that because, God, I'm, I'm really comfortable where I'm at right now. I mean, my... My job's going good. My family's going good. Everything is going good. Can't I just kind of be comfortable for a while? But you know what? God has never called us to be comfortable. He's called us to be obedient. And sometimes obedience is anything but comfortable. Amen? A few of you know that. Okay. All right. We, we, we look at what's going on. Zipporah is now his, his wife. And we read actually at the uh, end of chapter 2, verse 25, verse 23. It happened in the process of time that the king of Egypt died. That particular Pharaoh died. And then the children of Israel groaned because of the bondage, and they cried out, and their cry came up to God because of the bondage. So God heard their groaning, and God remembered his covenant with Abraham, with Isaac, and Jacob. And God looked upon the children of Israel, and God acknowledged them. It's interesting when we look at this, they're actually in, in, in bondage. They were there in Egypt for uh, about 430 years. We understand that during that time, it had been difficult for a number of years, maybe a few generations at this point in time. They're crying out to God. God says, my promise was with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and all of their descendants, and my promise now goes to them. God has a purpose. We know that he had a purpose, even because it goes back to the very saving of the life of Moses back in chapter 2. Now we get into chapter 3, and we find out that Moses, just going along, tending the flock of Jethro, life is good, everything is wonderful, uh, just relaxing, available, and yet the angel of the Lord there, there in verse 2 says, the angel of the Lord appeared to Moses in a flame of fire in the midst of a bush. And then uh, he also says that in, in the midst of the bush, he looked and behold, the bush was burning with fire, but the bush was not consumed. So this bush is sitting there burning. Moses says, let me go and check and see what this is. And as he went up to the bush, we find out that again, the Lord begins speaking to him. In verse 4, it says, the Lord saw that Moses turned aside to look. God called to him from the midst of the bush and said, Moses, Moses, what would you do if a burning bush called your name? <laughs> Eventually twice. It's not a mistake. He's calling you. Here I am. Here I am. Tells us there in verse 5 that again, the Lord spoke through that bush. Don't, don't draw near this place, but take the sandals off your feet place where you're standing is holy ground. And then in verse 6, moreover, he said, 
I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look upon God. Something was going to change in Moses' life. Moses didn't know at that point in time what all this was taking place. But right now, at this point in time, God is going to direct Moses, give Moses a a, a calling and a mission. And he's not only going to call him, but he's going to equip him for that. But Moses doesn't understand all that God is going to do in his life. Remember, for the most part, he was raised in Pharaoh's house till he was 40. He has gained probably some knowledge living here with Jethro. He doesn't know, he doesn't understand all that's going to take place, but God is saying, I am going to use you for my purposes. In chapter 3, verse 10, he's go now, he says, I am going to send you to Pharaoh that you may bring my people, the children of Israel, out of Egypt. And Moses has all kinds of questions at this point in time, no doubt. If you or I, again, in in our normal everyday life, you got to understand, Moses was a normal guy at this point in time. Backside of the desert, taking care of sheep, nothing special about him. Now suddenly, God, through this burning bush, says, "I, I have a plan, I have a purpose, I have a mission, I have a commission for you. What would it be if God spoke to you and said, listen, I need you. No, not to go to Washington, D.C. I need you to go to North Korea. Or I need you to go to Iran. I need you to go to China and speak to the head of state there. You got to remember, it's a death sentence for Moses to go back to Egypt. You got to remember the, the, the power and the authority that, that the Pharaohs had there. This was not going to be an easy thing. So Moses has a lot of questions at this point in time. Look down in verse 13. Moses said to God, Indeed, when I come to the children of Israel and say to them, Oh, by the way, <laughs> uh, <clears throat> the God of our fathers has sent me to you. And they asked me, What is his name? What in the world am I going to tell them? And there in verse 14, he says, And God said to Moses, I am who I am. And God said, And thus you shall say to the children of Israel, I am has sent me to you. There is so much even within just that declaration of I am that would be an entire message in and of itself. He is the self-existent one. He is the self-sustaining one. He is simply I am, has always been has al- and always will be. The whole concept and the understanding, God is beginning in Moses at this point in time to build a theology in Moses that I don't believe he's ever really stopped or paused to consider. But yet his time in seminary is going to be very fast-paced and it's going to be very hectic as he goes up to Pharaoh and begins dealing with Pharaoh in this whole new realm for Moses. He's going to have to step out in those areas that, again, if God's not in it, 
he's going to be a dead man. What an interesting way that is to be able to live a life. If God's not there, we're going to absolutely, utterly fail. We're going to see a little bit later. Moses knows for certain, Lord, if you don't go with us, we we don't want to go. We don't want to go. And so, again, Moses does. He has a lot of different questions. And he comes up with excuse and a couple of different excuses uh, of why he can't do the job. But he does submit to God's call in his life. In chapter 4, there's the whole idea of the, the rod that he has. He's, he's questioning the Lord. Suppose they don't believe me or, or listen to my voice. Suppose they say, the Lord hasn't really appeared to you. What do I do with that? And God speaks to Moses and he said, what's that in your hand? And it's the shepherd's rod. There's a whole message on that. that. That that you have, that that God has equipped you with, that that God has empowered you with, the tool, the, the gifting that you might have even right now today. Are you willing to allow God to use you and use that whatever it might be for his glory? Or, as he's going to tell Moses, throw it down. Are you willing to throw that down, perhaps, in order that God might use you in a way that you're not comfortable with, that's different for you? Moses, by this time, he's a shepherd. Throw your rod down. I'm going to use you in a different way. Well, actually, he calls him to shepherd people. But just with that understanding of willing to throw it down, and God uses it in a special way. He uses it in a way that's totally different than what Moses had anticipated he would be. A simple shepherd staff, but now it's going to be surrendered to the Lord, and the Lord is going to use it in a mighty way. And so not only that, but he is also concerned uh, down in verse 10. Moses said to the Lord, oh, my Lord, I'm not eloquent, neither before nor since you have spoken to your servant, but I'm slow of speech and slow of tongue. (laughs) Don't send me to Pharaoh. I don't think well on my feet, Lord. And I especially don't speak well. Excuse after excuse, we, we can all come up with them. We could probably go around the room tonight and find out how many excuses we can come up with of why we can't serve the Lord or why we can't be used by the Lord. Every one of us have them. You know when God is glorified is when even though we have very valid excuses, we're still willing vessels. Say, Lord... <laughs> If you want to use this chip, crack, stain, broken piece of clay for your glory, I'll just be available. I don't know what you can do with me, but I'll be available. Moses had all these excuses. God met him on every one. He says, I'm still going to use you, but I'm going to use Aaron, your brother, as your spokesman for this. But I need you to go, Moses. And so as they went, the message that Moses and Aaron had to Pharaoh we find in chapter 5, verse 1, Moses and Aaron went in and told Pharaoh, Thus says the Lord God of Israel, Let my people go, that they may hold a feast to me in the wilderness.
That's all we have time to share today, but we're so glad you've joined us. Isn't the Bible a fascinating book to read? There's incredible historical events, crazy scenarios, and a variety of people to keep you intrigued along the way. We hope you'll continue to join us here on The Open Word as Pastor David takes you through the Bible. If what you heard today sparked your interest and you'd like to know more about faith and even who God really is, please contact us. We'd love to talk more with you and share some even more incredible news about your future and the one who can change it, Jesus. Give us a call at 520-836-9676. Again, that's 520-836-9676. If social media is a part of your life, you can connect with us there too. Come like our Facebook page and keep up to date with what's happening at The Open Word and Calvary Chapel Casa Grande. You'll find a link to our website, theopenword.com. Would you like to hear more messages from this series? Here's Pastor David to tell you how. Thanks, Chris. You know, any time you spend in God's Word is valuable. And I'd like to encourage you to do it as often as possible. I know busy schedules can make that hard, but being able to listen to it could just change all that. All of the messages I've shared from the Bible here on The Open Word, they're available to you to listen to online at theopenword.com. Feel free to download them and even share them with anyone you think would benefit. That website again is theopenword.com. Thanks, Pastor David, and thank you for tuning in to The Open Word. Make us more and more.